Hi, and welcome to episode 280 of No Crying in Baseball, the It's Gonna Be Ugly episode. <laughs> my name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Why are you laughing? <laughs> we just got back from a beer share. We went to the DC beer share together. So you might remember in past episodes where I've been to beer shares and Patty has been the, the designated driver <laughs> on the podcast. Right. But today we both went to the beer share and there was so much beer to share. And the thing is, you have just a taste of this and right. a taste of that, and so it's very easy to lose track of the total amount of beer you've consumed because it's just a splash of this and a splash of that I over am. the course of two solid hours. And i got to <laughs> say, we're trying to carbo-load with the um, Old Bay French fries yeah. to hopefully kind of even things out. So, But I apologize ahead of time because usually I'm the responsible one on beer share days, and I'm not right now. What are we drinking Although, now? Because we haven't stopped drinking. <laughs> so, we did take a lift home. We took a lift to the studio. Right. It's because we do need to have something in our hands while we're talking to you all. We are drinking the original sin, which I think is pretty appropriate. Black Widow Spider. It's blackberries and freshly pressed New York apples. And it's from some cidery, I think. Oh, New York. It's original sin cidery. So how about that? Is that like talking to us about our choices and this afternoon? It's such a fruit thing that it's, it's lovely. It's clearly it's a health food. Right. So we're kind of coming back from the depths of the beer share. Yeah joy and silliness and and beer i just want to say that 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 name beer pertains to so many different actual tastes because we had something that was a verified pina colada like it was just the ingredients included like ice cream yes and fruit right and cinnamon and things and at no point were there things listed that <laughs> reminded us of beer in any way yet it was in a can that said beer so and we then fell we, for it. Yeah. And we also had the, the, the three versions of the Dark Lord, which were sort of like maple syrup. It was just very... It was supposed to be coffee, but it wasn't coffee mm, enough for me, yeah. which I think is why I didn't like it so much. You, you um, just, you're not on the dark I'm side. I'm very pro-Dark Lord, but <laughs> this time I was not. So, so friends out there, if you're thinking about visiting D.C., please uh, c contact us for when the next beer share is because you too can come with us and, and have some D.C. beer. And it, there's just beer from everywhere. It's a lot of fun. And you can go directly to D.C. beer to um, learn that without right. us. DCbeer.com. We, we, we would enjoy being your, you know, your middleman. Absolutely. There for sure. Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. We're going to do show. <laughs> oh, are we? Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. On today's show, we've got fun with school picture day. We've got some home run injuries already. We've got Manny's extension. We talked about that a little bit last week and things have happened. We've got a shakeup in the Orioles' QHAR universe. Our police blotter this week is all about the pitch clock. We've got boyfriends for Toronto and St. Louis. We've got World Baseball Classic News. And we've got labor news from the MLBPA. Cheers. Cheers. I just wanted to start us off on a little light note. Have, have you enjoyed School Picture Day? I haven't even looked at the school pictures oh. yet. I love them, and I haven't looked yet. I really appreciate this. So this is just the photos that the teams all have to take at the beginning of the year to get that picture that shows up on the big screen when that guy's up to bat. But a lot of the teams are going, like, sort of one up with it and just having fun around it. And I don't – there was another team that did this, but the Rangers had, like, the chalkboard, like – my you know childhood hero and oh. my friends are and and it had all these little fun facts about each player and i appreciated jacob de new ranger with his childhood hero it said none <laughs> i was 
kind of like, oh, come on, dude. You got to pick somebody. Like, a lot of people wow. had, you know, like Superman or something like that. But or just pick your parent or something at that point. Yeah. Wow. I, but none. I, think I don't that, care about anybody. Right. More, te- more teams need to do that, though. I really appreciate that. Like, this is my first day of school. These mm-hmm. are the things I that I'm into. I ride bus four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then and then Kike Hernandez, just because I can't go through an episode without saying Kike being Kike, he just put on the goofiest face. It was like he had to hold up his name and number before they did like the photo shoot. And that picture is worth it. So go to Kike. You got to just be following Kike on Instagram. But mm-hmm. the, the expression on his face is absolutely priceless. And yes, it says clubhouse leader to me. I don't give a shit what Boston reporters are saying. This guy is going to make a difference this year. All right. All right. Last week, we talked about how Manny Machado was not going to renew his – he wasn't going to um, take the, t- the option to renew his contract right. in San Diego. And we talked about why that would be. And big part of that was there's a lot more money out there, um, so he's not really being paid mm-hmm. what he is worth if he had negotiated. Now, so the Padres negotiated now to lock him in. So they locked him in for 11 years. Wow. He's 30 years That's old now. Amazing. 11 years for $350 million. So he played it smart. He played it super smart. He is currently the highest paid third baseman ever. Um, he's the fourth highest MLB player behind Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, and Aaron Judge. He's going to be making $32 million a year. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how San Diego is a small market team, yet they're spending like this and what that means for other small market teams. So hold that thought. I, I am fascinated by what San Diego's doing and I had no clue that their pockets were this deep but this the big question after this year like they're going for it this year oh yeah clearly absolutely but they're paying this shit ton of money to still to Fernando Tatis and to Xander and now Manny and the question is after this year is there room for Juan Soto are they going to be we're digging a little deeper to because Juan's going to be demanding a, a lot of money, sure. especially if he puts out a lot this year. Sure. So we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, cheers to you, Padres fans. Buckle up. You're going to have a super fun season. I hope so. I hope so. There's a lot of investment into this. I, I just wanted to go back to um, one of our previous baseball boyfriend picks, and I might as well say it now. Baseball boyfriends, these guys that we pick in the offseason because they're cool. Something about them beyond the field draws our attention. And we're each picking one guy per team through the offseason. We've got a couple, a few more guys coming up later today, but I had picked Vinny Pasquantino from the Royals, and, and I picked him at first blush because I thought he had the coolest name. But he is turning out to show his baseball boyfriend cred. So we pick these guys because we have hopes that they would be the kind of guy we'd want to hang out with, just have a beer with and chat. And last week we talked about Anderson Comas coming out and cheers to the White Sox for supporting him. Cheers to minor league baseball for supporting him. I mean, it's one thing for him to put that out on his social media, but for those two accounts to retweet him with support you know, just it's so encouraging that that progress has been made, that we are really going in the right direction. And then Vinny, our guy Vinny, also retweets the White Sox retweet of Anderson. And he wrote, happy for you, Anderson, be you and a little rainbow flag. Power to him because we see a lot of other shit. And I, I'm happy to say that I picked I picked well. 
I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna keep them on my t- on my team. When you sure we did. I mean, cuts. if we ever need to um, replace Sean Doolittle as the patron oh, saint yeah. of the podcast, I believe that um, that Vinny Pasquantino is definitely like working his way up yeah. the ladder to um, to patron saint. So that's pretty Yay, damn Vinny. good. Okay, so the Orioles, the kids with all the hair. There's so many of them with all the hair. They have mm-hmm. a very high team QHAR rating. Well, there was a there was a disturbance in the force. Oh no. So this is quality hair above replacement trademark Raleigh. It sure is. So Deal Hall um, showed up. He's yeah. the guy who handed out the beers. He is with, right? with the super long yeah. locks. Oh um, no. He shaved his oh, head. Oh no. No, it's good. Oh, it's really good. Really? He shaved his head, surprised everybody at spring training by shaving his head. He looks great. He looks great with the shaved head. And he donated all of that hair that he's been growing since July 2021 to an organization called Wigs and Wishes oh. that makes that makes wigs for, for um, people going through cancer treatments. And the coolest thing is... He's gonna get to meet the child wow. who's you know who's gonna get the wig from his hair. That's amazing. So again, he's showing up. He's doing this thing. Yeah. It's very public because he oh, was kind so of famous cool. for his super long hair. Mm-hmm. Had it all cut. Looks great. Also, this donation and also showing up to say, yeah. "Hi, I care about you." Here's my hair. I don't know, but but still, it's really pretty awesome. But also, I think they had a net gain in QHAR because um, their first round uh, draft pick, Jackson Holiday, mm. got an invite to spring training That's as a like nineteen as a kid, right? He's yeah. super baby face kid. His hair is also extraordinary. He um, he did the Gunnar Henderson thing. Okay. His first hit in spring training was a double. Of course, lost the batting helmet on the way to second base, and the glorious lettuce was let loose. So he because he's you know, at least at spring training, gets to count towards Team QHAR, and it's extraordinary. So I'm calling that a net gain for the Orioles. All right. Yeah, I don't. That's a, that's a hard a hard loss, and I don't know. Adley's looking kind of trend. Like he's it doesn't have a lot of flow. I haven't seen Gunnar Henderson, so I, I I don't know. The Team QHAR like total looks very good for the Red Sox. Bobby Dahlbeck isn't really contributing to that, but he is sort of contributing to the doing a good guy thing. And, and you know, I don't know. The Red Sox are not predicted to go far, but here I am, the eternal fan. I had picked Bobby Dahlbeck in 2020 as my baseball boyfriend. So very recently, getting ready for a game, BP, he hit it over the fence. And, and you know, clearly he had no clue where the ball was going, but it ended up hitting a kid in the stomach. And the EMTs came out, and somehow they had the bright idea. I'm glad. I'm glad that they, there's some like communication here to bring the the kid who's hurt and miserable because he just got hit by a baseball. Bring him to come see the guy who hit it, Bobby Dahlbeck, who agreed to like hang out with this kid. Yes. So Bobby did the right thing. He signed the ball, took a picture with the kid. And then also yesterday got a two-run home run, which yeah. impressed my dad and gives me a little bit of hope because Bobby was looking a little like, you know, I don't know. He might be trade material really at this point. Really? But um, but first base at, at the Red Sox is a couple of a couple of recent rookies, Bobby Dahlbeck and then um, – that that other guy, Tristan Casas, your your boyfriend. That other, <laughs> that guy. other guy. Actually, he's he's super impressive though. I, yeah. I appreciate his vibe, and clearly, you talked about this before anybody else. The the sunbathing on the field. He's painting his fingernails. He's just he's got a certain quirk about him that I think is going to work. But maybe Bobby the can quirk be that works. The quirk that works. Sure, Bobby will be backup. So speaking of the Red Sox. 
We so, hardly ever do that. Yeah, and and I'm real. I totally apologize in advance, but you know, baseball, MLB baseball started this weekend, which was a very exciting thing. And so, of course, yesterday, like the first, well, I didn't watch the Northeastern game because I was working, but luckily we had our intern who is hot on it and texting me about it, even though I had totally forgotten about it at the time. So yesterday, I was like, all right, damn it, there's a real. Team against team, spring training game. We're, we're going to sit down and watch this Red Sox against Atlanta. And things were going pretty well for the Red Sox. And then Atlanta came back. And it was it was a great game because it had that tension. It was going back and forth. I felt like Atlanta had a much stronger lineup at the first blush because they had Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies. Albies. And, and it looked like the Red Sox were going to have a struggle. But the Red Sox had the upper hand. And then it's the fucking ninth inning bottom of the ninth the Red Sox are up by two so I'm thinking all right things are looking good and the bases are getting loaded and at this point the pitcher is not having control and he walks in so it was like I think like six to four pitcher walks in a run bases are loaded and I was like oh fuck now what's going on pitcher walks in another run so it's tied up they change the pitcher hallelujah New pitcher comes in, and there's the pitch clock kerfuffle where at the first blush, you didn't know whose fault it was, Mm -hmm. but something was called, and what ended up being called was essentially a tie game because the batter didn't get back in the box, and he already had two strikes, and there was, it, it was not clear at the moment, but after like, you know, two seconds go by and you realize, oh, wait, that was a call against the batter, which had happened twice before during that game, actually. And the game's over. And it's a tie. And phew, the Red Sox didn't lose the first game that I watched them play. But I was kind of like, holy fuck, that's, like, there's the pitch clock. Like, there's what can happen because of this rule change. And I honestly wasn't drawing an opinion on it because at that moment it went in my favor right like the Red Sox didn't lose after like having been you know been up and they walk in a couple of runs and they could have fucked up that game but they didn't have the chance to if I had been on the opposing team maybe I would have been a little more pissed off but all I tweeted at that moment was holy shit this happened because I think like there's there's a holy shit this happened. This is a big thing that happened because of these rule changes, but I'm not voicing in one side or the other. And I had the weirdest retweets of people like assuming I was on either side of the equation, you know, like saying like, oh, well, you should just fucking follow the rules and get back in the box. And I'm like, no, I'm not upset about that. Or, oh my God, this pitch clock, like what are we going to do about this? It's It's wild. People are up in arms about this rule change and I'm still just I honestly am still just chilling and seeing how it shakes down I'm here to calm everybody down thank you thank you please do this is my role here I'm here to. so I am of course putting this under police blotter because <laughs> there were a lot of broken rules but it was day yeah. one of spring training right. that all the teams have an entire month to get used to this pitch clock until it matters yeah. okay so the important thing to know is that the whole idea of the pitch clock is to shorten the game and speed along the action. It was never meant to change the outcome, which it clearly did. It had an influence on the outcome of the game that you're describing. Clearly oh my did. God. But mm-hmm. there was also a mix-up between the batter thinking that the catcher was doing something wrong, right. who wasn't. So 
not understanding the rules. It's day one. Right. You have an entire month to understand the rules. So, okay. So here's the good right. news. This is spring training, people. <laughs> That's what it's for. The good news is the average time. So, 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 so yeah, we're recording on Sunday. Saturday was the first day of every team having their first official mm-hmm. spring training game. The average time of the games was two hours and 36 minutes, which was 25 minutes shorter than the first day that of games last year. And the best part about that was that's the exact same time difference as when they were testing this in the minor leagues last year. Wow. The difference between the minor league games with the pitch clock versus the previous year without was 25 minutes. So I think that's, that's a pretty that's interesting impressive. thing. So the first day yesterday, there were 34 violations of the pitch clock, which works out to 1.79 per game. Last year, when they tested it during the minors, mm-hmm. they started at one. 0.73 per game, like the first wow. like the beginning. But That's then it went close. down to barely over 0.5 violations per game. So you learn the rule. You yeah. have a month to learn the rule, and then, it's, then it eases up. Do you know if yesterday there were more batter or pitcher? I don't know. Because all I saw was batter, which was Yeah, no, there were, there were definitely both, but I don't know what the count is on those. Yeah. So, so the, the kids who are coming up from the minor leagues have experience with the pitch clock. So it's the veterans who yep. are going to have the hardest time adjusting to this. So Manny Machado, again, um, has, <laughs> has the, the honor of being the first person to earn a violation against the pitch clock because it was a first inning violation. So funny. And his joke was, I'm going to go 0-1 a lot because he didn't get in the box in time. He wasn't ready. So he was, the consequence was that he had a, yep. he had a strike against him for that later on your pal Vinny had the opposite one there was a, he got a ball awarded to him because the pitcher oh. didn't do things the same game the same game right so a lot of um the, the teams were weighing in on how this went and so Gabe Kapler who's the um the the um the manager of the um or GM of the um Manager. The Giants, manager yeah. of the Giants, sorry, said, I think everybody on that field was smarter after game one than they were before <laughs> game one, right? And then your your former boyfriend, Isaiah um, kind of Falafa, said, um, infielders, we're going to love it because we're always going to be ready now. Oh, wow. Because things move so fast. Yeah. And, like, they're the ones who are like, okay, is the pitcher ready? Is the pitcher ready? Yeah. Okay, now we get into our right. position. Now we get ready. So there were a lot of good reviews. I mean, the, the, the one that you're describing was clearly the most, the craziest thing yeah. that happened the rest of them were just didn't get in the box in time didn't get that pitch off in time and that will come yeah it was day freaking one right. it was a learning experience the games don't count i feel i still feel i feel so mixed about it because there's definitely that that feeling about baseball of the just relaxed nature of it that you don't have to worry about time limits i mean and, and i think that's what a lot of people love about baseball as opposed to football or basketball or hockey where there's a clock like there's always you got to pay attention to the clock and just to see a clock like visually to see that countdown behind the batter behind whatever wherever it is just adds that little bit of anxiety and one thing I, I saw and and actually infield fly girl posted this about people who have anxiety and are drawn to baseball for that calmness like this is is fucking oh that's interesting and and I very much feel terrible about that like that's that's sad like we deserve a sport that's a little bit more chill so I get it I'm hoping that like what you're saying that it becomes you know so second nature that it's Mm -hmm. not that kind of pressure that's I mean that's definitely what I'm, I'm hopeful for the other thing that I thought was interesting to think about is how this shapes, and this is why I'm wondering about how many pitchers got caught uh, yesterday, how this shapes the importance of the catcher. 
because pitchers can't shake off more than like twice. And then you either take your pitch or you piss off your catcher. Like you, that's right. it. That's it. So I'm thinking that not only does this make, you know, a lot of people are talking about how the umps are becoming so powerful because of that, but catchers, like, yeah, you got to know what you're doing. I did see an article where they said that the pitchers seemed to move more quickly than they needed to. Because they had to adjust to yeah. what is this time frame? What, how does this work out? And so a lot of them were more rushed than they might have been. So I think that's one of the things that will ease up as well. Like they don't have to rush as much as they think they need to rush. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm super interested to see the pitchers who it counts for. And unfortunately, the new closer for the Red Sox, Kenley Jensen, is like number one on slow pitching. So we'll see how that yeah. does for our team. All right, we should get moving along to our Baseball Boyfriends of the Week. We are getting so close to getting through the whole league. We are up to the Blue Jays for the American League, and I had to go with Alejandro Kirk, catcher, 24 years old. His birthday is the day after mine, November 6th, so next year on November 5th, you know where to send your presents. <laughs> uh, we can talk about what kind of beer we like. But Alejandro Kirk had a breakout year last year. Super eye-catching, especially for somebody like me who pays a lot of attention to the AL East. He has not yet shown up for spring training. And it was announced just today that he also will not make it to the World Baseball Classic, which is, which is rough for Mexico because he was going to be, I mean, he's got a bat plus, plus the defensive stuff. And I think that's going to have a really rough uh, effect on Team Mexico. But it's because his first baby was due on February 14th and has not yet shown up at the time of recording. So he is doing the right thing, and he's hanging out with his partner and waiting for that baby to come. And because that baby's not coming, he can't go to to (laughs) Florida. He can't go get ready for the World Baseball Classic. And actually, it was just today that everybody finally did the math and was like, you know... He should have been in Florida by now, getting used to new pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. Like as a catcher, that's super, it's right. super important. He didn't show up for the early, you know, pitchers and catchers. And for him to then take off and have to go, you know, pretty quickly to Phoenix for where Mexico is for the group stage for the World Baseball Classic, it's just not going to pan out for him. He's young, so I think this isn't terrible for him. He's going to be on another World Baseball Classic team in four years for sure, but it does suck for Team Mexico. Yeah. That needs to get out of the group, you know, competing with Colombia for number two behind the U.S. for sure. So I, I appreciate him doing the right thing. He's there with, you know, you got to be there for your, your baby being born. But, man, timing on that baby is a little rough. So last year, 22, was absolute breakout year. He became an all-star. He was, and I was surprised at this, he was only the 15th Mexican all-star, fourth Mexican position player, so most of them were pitchers, and the very first Mexican catcher to make all-star. He also got Silver Slugger last year. He was uh, averaging 285 with 14 homers, 787 OPS, and he walked more than he struck out. 63 walks to 58 strikeouts. He was also the first Mexican catcher to make the postseason. So the Blue Jays didn't get too far last year, but we'll see what happens this year. He's from Tijuana, 
and started playing baseball, you know, basically soon after he could walk at three years old. His dad was an amateur player and coached his little league team and his two older brothers. And they all inherited this very chill kind of affect from their dad. They're the, the ideal catcher, just kind of mellow, in control, very grounded. Both of his brothers are catchers now in the, in the Mexican League. So he's the only one who's in MLB right now. He was signed sort of by accident. So he was playing at the age of 16 with the Toros de Tijuana, and a scout had come out to watch the opposing catcher, but was so impressed by Alejandro Kirk, Kirk's athleticism, his poise, his ability to control the game, to slow the game down when it needed at that age, that he just came back and said, that, no, this is our guy. Wow. But he had a hard sell because those of you who have seen Alejandro Kirk, he, his physique is not the typical baseball player physique. He's shorter than average at 5'7". And, uh, well, right now he's 5'9". At this time when he was 16, he was 5'7", 260 pounds. And so, you know, management's saying, are you sure? And this guy's saying, you have got to see him. Yeah, like, this is not what baseball me. players look like right now. Yeah. But it, he, he makes it work. They signed him on a crazy bargain deal, $30,000. And, and it was interesting because at this time, the Blue Jays were dealing with trying to keep their costs down after spending a shit ton of money on Vladimir Guerrero Jr., so this seemed like a good deal for him. It took a little while for it to pay off. He missed most of 2017 due, due to a, a car accident, hand injury, was in the minors for a couple years, 18, 19, and 20, made it to the taxi squad, actually debuted on 9-11 of 2020. That was it for, for that year. And on 2021, only ended up playing 60 games due to a flexor strain. So 22 was absolutely his time to shine and the reason why I'm picking him for next year. I think he's going to be super, super hot next year. He's a likable guy. The coach, uh, John Schneider, said, you look at the player and he's just like, you want to give him a hug sometimes. <laughs> I appreciate that. So the other cool thing, especially talking about body image and stuff, is that he is big buddies with pitcher Alec Manoa. It's making me really think about the Blue Jays for my pitching flock. And apparently there was there was some play last season where Kirk had to run, like he, he got home from first, running through the bases. The video comes out. There was an asshole radio host who basically criticized him for the way he was running the bases. Just body shamed him. Body, body shamed him. Like, like somebody like that running the bases. So Alex, so Kirk doesn't, doesn't respond. Alec Manoa, however, who is definitely a Twitter follow, said what's actually embarrassing for the sport is that people who go by the name of Matthew and have never played a day in the big leagues yeah. thinking that they can control the narrative and stereotypes. Go ahead and tell that eight-year-old kid who is 10 pounds overweight that he should just quit now. Just step aside from the keyboard and let Kirk inspire those kids to continue to chase their dreams and chase greatness. And that guy's account has since been deleted. Kirk, on the other hand, sort of took a much mellower perspective and you know appreciated Alec Manoa coming to his defense, but said, I tell the kids to keep working hard, keep following your dreams, dreams come true. 
and don't pay attention to what anybody has to say against them. As a result of this, Alec Manoa was the first recipient of the Dove Men Plus Care Sponsorship for Sportsmanship, and he got $100,000, which he quickly donated to an organization called Kidsport, which is an organization that gives Canadian youth the opportunity to play sports who wouldn't normally have that opportunity. Um, unfortunately, this like trend of fucking, I don't know, the, the, the media who focus on this body shame, it's crazy. Recently, an MLB network uh, commentator, Anthony Recker, said something negative about Alec Manoa's body image, saying that basically insinuating that he should have been spending more time in the gym in the offseason. And so Manoa snapped back, what I do in the gym has clearly worked. Check the numbers. Sucks you can't say the same for yourself. So basically, everybody should shut the fuck up and get out of the way of Alec Manoa and Alejandro Kirk, who are going to be an amazing battery this upcoming year. And a super shout out for for Kirk's nickname is, of course, Captain Kirk. How could it which, not be? Which, which tracks. And that he has a lovely tequila ad for Mexican Mexican Independence Day. That checks off a Twitter, lot of boxes. So I, I appreciate that. So Very nice. He's a good, good dude. Good I like dude. it. Hey, it turns out I have a theme that I didn't even plan on. I, um, as I After I picked my boyfriends, I checked an article on MLB.com about who are the best pure hitting prospects, one per team. Both of my guys showed sure, up hitting on prospects. that list right. for one guy per team. So my Blue Jays guy is Otto Lopez, who's a utility player. He's 24. He was born in Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, and is also a Canadian citizen. Let me tell you about wow. that. It's pretty cool. So when he was growing up, he played street ball. He didn't play organized baseball. He played street ball. He said, you know, we made paper balls and we taped them. And that, mm-hmm. that was our baseball. We played in the street. That was it. So his dad was a teacher and moved to Montreal. Um, for work, and then said, I'm going to bring my family here because the education system is better, more more opportunities for my kids. So um, so Otto and the rest of his family moved there when Otto was 10. And so Toronto, of course, became his favorite team as a kid to watch. He only spoke Spanish at the time because he had lived up until then just in the Dominican Republic and then moved to Montreal. So he said he learned French really quickly from his friends and from his baseball teammates. Wow. And it was the first time he ever played organized baseball. I mean, there were a lot of firsts. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm in a place where Spanish is not the, the recognized language. Oh, yeah, there's winter and snow. And, oh, <laughs> I can play organized baseball. And he wow. played very well and ended up on an elite travel ball team. He also experimented, because you're in Canada, with hockey. <laughs> a little bit of basketball and even badminton. So he, you know, he did a little cross training. So he was there until age 14, was lighting it up in travel team in, you know, mm-hmm. y- you know, young teenager baseball. His uncle, who was still in the DR, said, if you're serious about baseball, you need to come back home where we can get you into one of the academies yeah. that are run by team so you can get signed. And he didn't want to leave initially because he'd been there for four years. Those are pretty formative years. He had mm-hmm. made friends. He was having a good time. So, okay, I'm going to give it a year. So he went back to the DR, went to the academy. And towards the end of his one-year his one year trial, like a week or two short of the end of that one-week trial, of one-year trial, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. um, seed, beer, share, above, yeah. <laughs> the, the Blue Jay said, We're, you're good. 
Mm. You got a future. You got a future. So scouts came down from the Blue Jays and other places, and his teammates like, what language are you speaking? Because he was able to speak French. Wow. With the scout who came down from Canada. He ended up being signed with Toronto as an international free agent in 2016. Note that he's only 24 now. So again, these guys get signed. Super early. Young. So he went from bilingual to trilingual once he got signed because he started playing in the minors. He was playing in the Gulf Coast League with a lot of players who spoke English. So English is his third language. It's his That's third so wild. language. And he really does, he's got the facility for languages. He picks yeah. them up very quickly. But he said the, um, the Blue Jays are one of the teams that provides English language lessons for their players. Bless them. Plus, he was picking it up from his teammates, and he said, and then I would check song lyrics. I would hear songs, <laughs> and I would kind of look them up to make sure I understood what they were saying. So he worked for his language as well as learning it just in the context of his friends and his mm-hmm. teammates, which is pretty cool. Um, in 2020, you know, minor right. league seasons are canceled. He By then, he was back with his family in Montreal with his siblings and his parents. Um, so they kind of created a workout space in his backyard for him but also he took the time to learn other things like one of his brothers is a barber so he learned how to cut hair <laughs> because what else are you going to do in That's the pandemic useful, really right right so 2022 um he spent most of the season with um triple a buffalo his debut oh i'm sorry i skipped that a little bit his debut was um in in august of 2021 but then he kind of went back and spent most of the next year with triple a okay. buffalo and then kind of went up and down quite a bit. His first hit was versus um, the Red Sox on October 1st of this past year, 2022, uh-huh. which was his 24th Woo. birthday. Oh, It was a birthday hit. All you right. gotta like that. All right. I will give that So in the, in the, the minors, Sox. he played second base, he played shortstop, he played center field, he wow. played left field. But what the Blue Jays are looking for is like, how can we use you best so we have your bat in the lineup? And he's a utility guy. So he's played all of these different positions. So it looks like they're going to just find a place, hopefully, to put huh. him whatever works so they can get his bat in the lineup. He's going to be um, playing for Team Canada in the World Baseball Classic. And this is my favorite thing that wow. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. With Freddie Freeman. With That's Freddie so cool. Freeman. So now we are aware of two people. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and Bo and, and Bo Naylor. Um, nice. Yes. Yeah, so right. We have a few people in Team Canada. But um, I really like that what he said was a baseball everywhere is the same no matter what language you speak. So I was writing Team Canada off perhaps a little bit too much they because some... they're, they're in that pool along with Mexico and Colombia and the US and somebody, oh, Great Britain, who I'm clearly writing off. But they yeah, might have a little that bit of would juice. be that would be a wild surprise if they can make it over Mexico and Colombia. I think it's going to be fun to see, and I I, I really like this mm-hmm. this guy's attitude, and I really appreciate his facility for languages. And yay! So um, fun. actually, so the the Blue Jays, as I said, we're trying to find a place for him. One of the the, the spots he's competing for is like the backup outfielder, the fourth outfielder. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. He's probably going to start the season in AAA, but it seems likely that he would come up soon. All right. There you have it. All right. Keep our eyes up north. On the National League side, we are on to the Cardinals. I am wearing my Yadier Molina shirt in honor of the guy who is now retired, which has definitely set off a hole. Like between him and Albert Pujols, despite him only, you know, having been back recently, it's this big, like, we're losing these, you know, our, our. 
our old guys, I don't know, our wisdom, you know, the guys who have been like the foundation of the team. And I'm looking at now Juan Yepes, who might be taking over Pujols' spot as DH. It's not totally clear. He also plays first and third in outfield, but it looks like he's moving into the DH spot. He's 25 years old from Caracas, Venezuela. He was originally signed by the Atlanta team in 2014 and then traded in 2017 to the Cardinals for Matt Adams, which at the time, apparently, the the cards weren't so happy about that trade, but I think it's going to work out. He spent a few years in the low minors, and then 2020 happened. He was not protected by Rule 5, so had a moment of nervousness what's going to happen next ended up being back in 21 in the cardinals organization looked like he was headed to just double a but he just cranked as soon as he came back in 21 that was just a banner year for him he got to triple a very fast and his stats all got better when he got up to triple a and ended up leading the the triple a east division and slugging with 589 and ops with 971 he was added to the Cardinals postseason roster in 21, but didn't actually get playtime, and they weren't playing that much. He did go to the Arizona Fall League that year, and he ended up being named co-hitter of the year with your very recent baseball boyfriend pick from the Marlins, J.J. Bleday. Did Thank I say that so right? Thank you so much for doing that. <laughs> I feel so good about that. I am almost done with my cider. So he debuted last year in May and got a double in his first at-bat and then got a double in his second at-bat and became the first Cardinal to double in his first two at-bats. There's a stat for you. Four days later, but this is the enduring thing, the endearing, not enduring, no, endearing, all right. It might endure as well. Yeah, it might endure as well. He got his first home run on Mother's sure Day. he did. With his mom in the stands. And we are, this is a mom podca- podcast, folks. So his mom's in the stands. So not only does he get a first home run on Mother's Day with his mom there, but he had not been together with his mom on Mother's Day for eight years because Ooh. she was in Venezuela while he was playing in the minor leagues. Oh, he made up for some lost Isn't time. that amazing? And his mom even said that she didn't get to be a normal mom in those later years because, like you were saying, he was 16 years old when he signed and left home. Like, yeah. I'm trying to imagine my own kid, like, by at 16 years old, and then you go off into, like, God knows what with joining baseball. Like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's baseball hooligan. Yeah. Yeah. So he said that that morning when he knew mom was going to be there for that game, he said, so I was like, mom, I'm going to try to hit a home run or do something special for you today. And he did. And then he said, it's been eight years of struggle of being away from her. Now maybe we can be together more. Oh, I just I love the mom stories. So not much later than that. June 27th was his first multi homer game. And then on July 2nd, Cardinals did this wild thing of four batters with four home runs in a row. And he was the third of those batters. And that was the 11th time in MLB history that a team had had four home runs back to back to back to back. It was the first time for the Cardinals. And it was the first time ever that that happened in the first inning. So back to the whole Albert Pujols thing. 
So last year, when he's up for this year and he's hanging out with Albert, he realized, like, this is the guy I've got to hang out with and get all the knowledge that I can while I have this opportunity. And Pujols loved it. And, of course, we have very mixed feelings about Pujols in the in, in retrospect. But as a player, like, you, that's the guy you want to hang out with. Sure. You want to you find out what's, what's going on with him. So we, constant questions. Pujols soaked it up. In the postseason of 22, which we knew didn't last too long for the Cardinals, but in game one of the wild card against Philadelphia, he had the go-ahead two-run home home run in the seventh inning. Unfortunately for the Cards, that game turned around, and the Phillies won and came back and took that series mighty quickly. They won two games. They had it. So that was it for the season for Juan but he kept playing baseball. He went to play with the Tiburones de Guaira in the Liga Venezolana, in the Venezuelan League. If you've been listening to our show, you will know that that is the team that Ronald Acuna played for. The two of them debuted on the same day in the offseason. And for Juan, it was a very back and forth. He's going to play. He's not going to play. He's going to play. Anyway, he played a little bit. He only played nine games. Um, I guess, you know, making a little bit of a dent there. But the Tiburones went to the playoffs where, if you remember the story, Ronald Acuna came back and played until he had a meltdown in the middle of the game and then left the game. And then the Tiburones did not win. The Leones de Caracas took the series a little bit because of that. But we can't blame any of that on Juan because he did not get to come back and play for the playoffs. So I, I'm excited. Maybe he'll go back and play with the Tiburones. He said that when he was a kid, that was his dream to play for this team. And so hopefully he'll get a little bit more time than nine games. But that's my guy for the Cardinals. Just a little bit of a by the way on the Cardinals. <laughs> Shout out to Adam Wainwright. So Adam Wainwright, we, we talked about it last week also, you know, clearly elder, elder statesman of Carl, Cardinals pitching has announced that this is going to be his last season. His Twitter follow is also amusing. He um, he parked his, he golfs, he parked his golf cart recently next to another golf cart that had a very lovely like Cardinals fan little sign thing on the back, and his kids said to him, "We we should find that person. Like, look, we're parking parked next to a Cardinals fan." But that was clearly impossible at the golf course. So what he did was he he signed he autographed. <laughs> The, the actual golf cart. He autographed that sign on the back <laughs> with the Cardinals thing and then took a picture of it and tweeted it and said, like, please, like, let this get back to the actual owner of the golf cart so he knows that that's, that, a, real that's thing. a real thing. Oh, that's and fantastic. And the happy, the happy ending is that it did, like, the guy's neighbor found it and connected it back to the guy. So now the guy has a golf cart Autograph by, by Wayne Wright. So, so the moral of the story is: if you're a fan, wear your your colors with pride. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. Um, so my um, hard hitting prospect to watch for, <laughs> for the Cardinals is is Alec Burleson, nicknamed Burley. Gotta love the nickname Ooh. Burley. Who's a right fielder? Any um, relation to Rick? Sure. I don't know. Um, He's 24. He um, was born in Charlotte, North Carolina. And there were a lot of confusing things about his history because often they left out um, states. So they said, oh, he went to (laughs) high school in Denver. Well, it was Denver, North Carolina. 
Oh, right. It's okay. Like, oh, he played for the Pirates. Oh, those were the East Carolina Pirates. Those were. So I had to keep like, okay, I need two or three more words. Nice fact checking. Here, but anyway, so he, um, Alec was a, a two-way player in high school. Did not get drafted out of high school there in Denver, North Carolina. Who um, knew? But went to play. Um, went to play at East Carolina for college, and he was a two-way player there. And he was sort of the best player, no matter what he was playing there um one of the the sports writers said when he pitches he doesn't look like a pitcher because most pitchers don't take the man with the dirty uniform from having run the bases <laughs> or from having played a position in the field nice. so he wasn't he he pitched and hit the same games he he he, he was he played every game which is exhausting and which yeah. is a lot um one of the things that i'm happy about is that his summer between freshman and sophomore years in college he played in the Cal Ripken Collegiate League. Woo-hoo! He played for the Bethesda Big Train, which Ooh, are um, rivals. Whether are the rivals, but you know what? Good players playing in our league, that's okay. pretty cool. Then the following summer, between sophomore and junior year, he was on the USA baseball collegiate team. Also pretty cool. So he you know, he was in college his junior year, included the spring of twenty twenty when Ugh. everything shut Ouch. down. So he missed out on like his last season of college ball and oh, he said man, that like, they weren't even sure there was going to be a draft yeah. that year um and it ended up being it ended up being that um that only five round draft it's like am i good enough to make it Ugh. in that five round draft so it was a lot going on he in fact was drafted in the second round the compensatory pick um by st louis and um there were he was the fourth pick by the cardinals in that draft in 2020 but he was actually the first to debut because he moved mm. through the minors very quickly, right? So, you know, he couldn't play in 2020 when he was drafted. Right. But what he said was he made really good use of that time because they drafted him as an outfielder, not as a two-way player. Hmm. So he could change up his workouts because he said his weight workouts, because he was pitching, mm-hmm. were very different because he had to be very careful with his arm right. in a different way. So he was able to really get in shape to be a position player rather than a two-way player, which he thinks really helped him hmm. once he got to start playing it. So um, the next season starts in 2021, and he started in high A, moved him to double A in two weeks. Oof. He thought he'd be playing like, you know, a year at every wow. level. By the end of his first season, he was playing triple A. So he went super, super fast through all of the levels <laughs> of, of the minors to be playing triple A in his first season and he said the baseball part was fine as far as you know the adjustments like the games move faster the pitchers are better things are different but you could adjust to that but the hardest thing to adjust to were switching his team so often and having to become part of a team with new teammates different guys and new coaches and all of those things that was the hardest thing to adjust especially because he was moving very quickly through and then he said the number of games that you play in the minors. Oh, right. And the majors also, yeah. but in the minors, is so much more than you play in college or that you play mm. in a summer league. And he said he, and of course it is. Yeah. I'd never thought of this right. before. I'm like slapping my forehead thinking about this. Like, and he was exhausted. He said, I did yeah. not know how to take care of my body mm-hmm. to play that many games that I do now, but it was it's really hard to adjust to. But it only took him two years to get to the majors, right? He started in AAA Memphis at the beginning of last season, 2022. He, at the time he got his call up, he was leading the International League 
batting 331 with 143 hits. He drove in 87 runs in 109 games, and that's when he got promoted. He was leading his whole league in that when he got his call-up. So he, um, he debuted in September of 2022 as a natural first baseman, but you may have heard of Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, right. So, I mean, he's been playing outfield for a while now, and he has no – there's, like, he can see there's, there's, he's not going to be a first yeah. baseman anytime soon unless they do some platooning thing or whatever. But the the opportunity to pay attention to how Paul Goldsmith plays first base – And learn. It, and learn from him yeah. is huge. Um, one of the things I thought was the most fun was the night that um, Albert Pujols got his 700th home run. Alec Pinch hit for him in the eighth oh. and got his first home run. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? I love that. That's so he very did cool. not have, like, when he got his call up in September, he didn't have a great end of the season. Like, his, his, his initiation into the majors wasn't great as far as his stats, but he said, I was watching all the, the, the Yachty and Wayno so stuff. Yeah. I was watching pool holes. I was part of that. That's big. So, I mean, just being close to that, being in that dugout and being yeah. part of that team was huge. And he said, um, he's really close with his parents, of course. We love this. He said, when I have a bad game, when I walk off the field, I still have mom and dad. Aww. He said, sometimes they want to be a coach, but it's only out of love. And the support they give me, I couldn't ask for anything more. Wow. So I'm pretty excited about my new boyfriend for the Cardinals, um, Alec Burley Burlinson. And shit, we don't know who we have next week. We have a, a vague idea. Um, I think we have the Guardians. Yeah. And then I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, it's going to be either the Hammers or the Dodgers or the Mets is my guess. One of those. One of those. I don't know. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I can figure things out. Also, we are so, so close to going to Miami. We're going to be going to Miami. But the World Baseball Classic starts in 10 days. Because we're not. The Mets. I'm sorry. It's, it's the, Mets? It's the Guardians and the Mets next week. Okay. Woohoo. Go ahead. Tell us All right, about Miami. So, so let us know. We're going to go to Miami. We're going to see some cool baseball there. And there are rules that are a little bit different than the rule changes here. So I'm wondering how, because we have actually a lot of um, managers are starting to grumble a little bit about losing their players for the World Baseball Classic, including Dusty, who is grumbling a little bit because there's a whole bunch of Astros going. Um, uh, But by the way, with Alejandro Kirk leaving, this leaves Austin Barnes as the primary catcher for Mexico. So we'll see how that works out for them. But the effect I'm wondering about you know, players going down, starting with their teams, and then going to the World Baseball Classic teams that are going to be doing a lot of matchups with whoever's left on on the other teams. Those will be fascinating spring training games. But the rules are a little bit different because for the World Baseball Classic, the shift is not banned. You can shift if you want. You know, whatever. Not shift. The bases are the regular old size. The runner is on the second in extra innings, on the second, on second base. (laughs) Oh, boy. There is no pitch clock. So that whole thing, you know, getting used to the new system is just going to be a little bit disrupted for those players. And there are some extra rules to sort of protect the pitching is what I'm thinking because teams are not happy you know, about releasing their players for this. The players are super excited. I am super excited. Pitch count limits, though. In the the opening round, so the first, oh. yeah, so the first round of play, the pitch count limit is 65 for the opening pitcher. So the, the starting pitcher, the first guy pitching, the first guy pitching 
in the first round of play can only do 65 pitches. However, in the quarterfinals, the first guy pitching can do 80 pitches. And in the semis and the finals, it goes up to uh. 95. That's how it goes. There's also guidelines for rest. So if you have pitched more than 50 pitches, you have to have four days of rest. If you have pitched more than 30 pitches, you need one day of rest. And you cannot pitch more than two days consecutively, no matter what. And the pitchers do have to pay, face a three batter minimum. So I do think that the world, as much as, as managers are grumbling about letting their players go, at least there is a little bit of protection for the pitchers. All right. Yeah, I, I feel like the pitch clock one is the one that would have the most influence because you want these guys yeah. to get used to that. Right. And there's no not saying that they can't move quickly and continue to move quickly, but, but it's not, not likely that they're, yeah. they're going to. So, yeah, that could be a bad habit that comes and goes for sure. Yeah. I have a couple of um, labor updates for the MLBPA, the Players Association. Mm. Tony Clark, the um, the director of the MLBPA, was in the news recently talking about um, the salary cap that may or may not be proposed. Uh, Major League <laughs> Baseball has started an economic reform committee to talk about two huh. different things. And one of them is regional sports networks, right? Okay. The broadcast networks that broadcast games locally. Um, there's a lot of upheaval. Uh, the The Diamond Sports Group is about to declare bankruptcy. They have the rights Oof. to like half the teams in Major League Baseball. Locally here, the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network has been in upheaval for a while about the equi wow. equi equi equity, ah, that's it, between <laughs> the Orioles and the Nationals. Yep. There's yep. a lot of political stuff. And the fact that only old people use streaming. I can say that <laughs> I am an old person who you not streaming who use these regional sports yeah, networks and watch right. on cable not and those streaming. kinds of things right not streaming so so tony clark's like okay that's not that big a deal they'll fix that they'll fix that but oh. the other thing that this economic reform committee is supposed to deal with is the inequitable revenue across the teams the large market teams yep. the small market teams and he said that's the one that's the one where he thinks that the committee is in place basically to depress player pay to put limits on how much players can be paid. And he said a salary cap is the ultimate restriction on player value and player's salary, we believe, in a market system, mm -hmm. right? So teams don't share their financials publicly. We've talked about that before, where teams say, oh, we're so poor, we're so poor, and right. they don't need to prove it. They don't need to show anybody their books, right? So Pittsburgh, small market team, right. is generally mad because you know how can we compete mm -hmm. we can't spend the same amount of money you know the return what a blah 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 it's horrible it's horrible what was me san diego yep is the eighth smallest market wow they are considered a small market team they have the third highest salary they're spending a shit ton they're of spending money. a shit ton in a small market and they are doing well they're getting an x they have, they've got a really good product yeah people are going to the games people are buying the gear they, that's for sure they're doing super well yeah. in a super small market so um that they're being held up as kind of like this outlier but they don't necessarily have to be that outlier and so tony's like tony clark kind of questions okay. are small teams not paying because they can't or because they don't want to. Because, you know, either could be true. And there's, a, there's mm -hmm. different solutions, depending on which that is. But he said salary cap is not one of those issues. Mm -hmm. So the minor league 
um, CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, is being negotiated now. Again, this will be the first year that minor leaguers are represented by a union, and it's the same Woo-hoo. union that represents the majors. So the conversations, the negotiations have been going on without a lot of public news. But the one thing that Tony Clark talked about is that the league has floated. They want to be able to cut the roster size across the farm system. Fewer people on the rosters. Oh. And they're sort of dangling this idea of leaving open the possibility to cut more teams. And he's, Tony Clark's like, uh-uh, that's a non-starter. This is not what a union is for. A union is to protect jobs, not to say, sure, go ahead and, you know, cut those jobs. Yay, Tony. Yay, Tony. So we'll see how that goes. Um, there's a belief that the negotiations can still be completed before the minor league opening day happens. Oof, that's soon. But if it doesn't, there, there's no question. There's not going to be a stoppage in play. They would just continue on with the current system and then keep negotiating okay. until it's in place. So there's not really a danger of a stoppage or any of those things. Hopefully they'll get it done in time. That's all I know. All right. I'm just happy to hear, like, labor stuff. I mean, with minor leagues. Like, yay. Yay. Something. We're getting there. We are moving in the right direction. All right. Can we go to Miami? We are going to Miami in 20 days. So World Baseball Classic is starting in 10, but we leave for Miami in 20, and we are trying to figure out how we can pack our microphones so that we can bring this excitement to you. We're going to be there for the quarter quarter, quarter, quarter finals and the semifinal. One semifinal is going to be so much fun. Yep, and if you are going to be there too that same weekend, that's the weekend of March 17th, 18th, and 19th, we would love to hang out with you at a game. So please get in touch with us and let us know that you're going to be there. Hey, Potty Mouth, how can they find us on social media to tell us these things? You can find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast. Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B-Ball. And if you want to throw us a couple of bucks, we will gladly appreciate those to buy a pina colada or two in Miami. That is patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash No Crying and B-Ball. If you can get there, we would super appreciate that. Also, ratings and reviews are a good thing. I was just recently reviewing, and it's been a while since we've had one. They're all very lovely, the ones that we have. So thank you all who have done that. But if you haven't, just, you know, hop on there and give us a a little bit of a shout out. We'd appreciate it. We do appreciate that. And if you have friends or family that you think would like to hear us talk about baseball, please let them know about the show we would love to see you in miami so if you're going to come see us please make sure you get your booster shots because otherwise it's going to be a public health nightmare (laughs) down there we want you to fight the man because it's the right thing to do we want you to send your game balls to meredith because there's game balls to be had again hooray and until next week say good night potty mouth good night potty mouth I can't believe I have fucking I'm jury duty in the morning. You have jury oh duty in the morning. God. I have to get up at the I can't fucking believe. Alright, yes I can. <laughs>